Welcome to the Koji Podcast episode 10. Today we have video, finally, after like three episodes of not having it and, you know, better lights and everything. Um, the topic for today is the rule of life and penance. I'm your host, Saul Spinoza. Let's get into it. Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as their bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. Matthew chapter 9, verse 15. It's the first week of Lent, and it's a good time to start introducing the rule of life. In the last um, episodes, we've seen that the virtues are formed in us by repeated and consistent exercise of virtue. To achieve a degree of self-discipline, is needed on the part of the Christian, as well as the structure of a well-thought-out plan on which to base one's actions. For this reason, all Catholics must oblige themselves to follow a rule of life. The first one is to fast once a week, preferably on Fridays, and abstinence from meat on, on all Fridays. So what's that, what does abstinence mean? Abstinence means to stay away from, or to, on this case, meat, to stay away from meat, to not eat meat, on all Fridays of the year, but I'm just introducing this rule of life for, to you guys um, to start in Lent. It'll help to bring it into everyday life. And then a rosary every day. Remember, Our Lady Fatima calls us to pray the rosary every day for world peace and for the conversion of sinners and for our own salvation. Daily uh, meditation and spiritual reading. We read um, either from the Bible or or from the life of the saints or something that the saints wrote. You know, something that'll teach us something more about our faith and about God. And that we meditate on it. Try to apply it on us to make a resolution. So if the message of the reading is about being more charitable to our neighbors. Okay, then we apply that to ourselves. We say, okay, this week I'm going to try to be more charitable to those around me. Be less annoyed try not to be rude to others and and really try to change make a change in our lives you know in those in that aspect whatever message and and resolution we make um based off the meditation and the spiritual reading now it is an easy plan of prayer and penance which if observed faithfully will lead beginners in the spiritual life to form some basic good habits forming a solid foundation from which their further growth is ensured for apart from the sacraments themselves penance and prayer are the most important means of growing in grace. For this reason, a Catholic should be penitential, meaning that pen- practice of penance is a principal element of our spirituality. The following conferences or episodes explain the principles of penance and prayer from which form the basis of our rule of life. So, that was very interesting to hear. Apart from the sacraments, prayer and penance are one of the most important means of growing in grace. So this is not just the thing that that I'm telling you or that, that some people should do. No, it's a necessity. Prayer and penance are a necessity. Like I ta- said in the last podcast, and that's Our Lady's message. Prayer and penance. She didn't tell us just so that, you know, just for no reason. She, you know, there's a reason she told us. It's very important for maintain, maintaining our life in grace and growing in it. Penance and conversion. The word penance comes from the Latin penitere 
meaning to regret or be sorry for something. In English, penance can mean several things. In the first place, it refers to the sacrament of penance or confession. In that sacrament, we acknowledge to God our sinfulness, ask Him to forgive us, and to restore to us the gift of His grace if we have lost it through serious sin. Through the ministry of the priest, God wipes us clean of the guilt of our sins, restores His divine life of grace to us, making us once again holy, and gives us special graces to help us overcome our sins in the future. Penance can also refer to the acts of self-denial that Christians perform, such as fasting, giving alms, and prayer. The witness of sacred scripture and the lives of all the saints throughout history make clear that outward acts of penance are essential, essential to the Christian life. Since penance is essential, that's why in my last podcast on the thumbnail, if you saw, it has a guy like, maybe if you didn't get it, he's like, what the heck is penance? Never heard of it. But behind him is a fire and flames. I put that because, you know, basically he was in hell and he was wondering, like, what's penance, you know? You know, just a little joke that I put, but, but, you know, a joke to make known to you guys, you know, through exaggeration, the necessity of penance. I don't know if you guys got that. It, was, it may have been a little um, unclear what it meant, but I thought it was pretty funny. Anyways, continuing. But as the Latin root of the word penance suggests, what motivates the confession of our sins or our fasting and almsgiving is our regret and sorrow for offending God. We want to be forgiven not so much because we recognize that we have done wrong in an abstract sense or even because we may have even harmed other human beings, but especially because we have offended the God who loves us so much that he became one of us so that he could offer his life in our place. And we express our sorrow in concrete actions that show our desire to make good the evil we have committed. This sadness for our sin, which motivates penance, is known as repentance or contrition. Uh, the Catechism teaches, Interior repentance is a radical reorientation of our whole life, a return, a conversion to God with all our heart, an end of sin, turning away from evil with repugnance toward the evil actions which we have committed. At the same time, it entails the desire and resolution to change one's life with hope in God's mercy and trust in the help of his grace. Okay, so genuine penance is always motiv motivated by a spirit of repentance. To receive the forgiveness of our sins validly through the sacrament of penance, is, it is not enough to go through the motions of confession. We must be truly sorry for what we have done. Likewise, outward acts of self-denial are performed by people for many different reasons. People deny themselves food in order to diet. They give money to charity in, in return for tax benefits. Only when they are motivated by repentance are such deeds true acts of penance. So it's saying right here that we must have true repentance and a supernatural sorrow or contrition because we won't um, pay the debt that is due to God um, for the sin that we have committed. Instead, we're doing it for other motives. Like it gives the example of, you know, we fast for dieting or we give to charity but only to increase tax benefits. But really, we should be sorry and we should do penance for this because we were so sorry for what we have done to God, for the offense we have given Him. And it is through that that true repentance that we'll, we will um, pay the debt that is due to God. The great example of conversion of heart is given to us by our Lord Himself in the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 10 
to 32. With this short story, our Lord gives us a model of repentance. We have come at some point in our lives to realize that we have sinned against our Heavenly Father. And we realize that our spiritual survival depends on our returning to Him. Because He alone can give us the life of divine grace. And so we come to Him aware that we, have, that we deserve nothing from Him. Deserving, in fact, to be rejected and punished. We find instead that our Father loves us so much that He gladly forgives us. Thus the spirit of repentance is at the heart of the spiritual life. Without it, we, re we remain in sin and spiritual death. The constant need for conversion. In the parable of the prodigal son, the son sees his error and repents of it. He returns home having learned his lesson and determined not to offend his father again. However, in the reality of our fallen human nature, things are not so simple. Repentance is not a once and for all event, but rather a steady progress beginning with conversion from mortal sin then to conversion from venial sin, and finally, a struggle to overcome the many imperfections of our nature. Even in those cases, such as the lives of many of the saints, when conversion from sin is a dramatic and life-changing event, we remain human beings, constantly tempted and continually falling into sin and in need of repentance. Conversion is a lifelong process, a daily battle. Penance, the express of our conversion of heart, will therefore always be a part of our daily lives as Christians. This is what the church teaches when she says, Christ's call to conversion continues to resound in the lives of Christians. This second conversion is an interrupted task for the whole church. Clasping sinners to her bosom is at once holy and always in need of purification and follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. This endeavor of conversion is not just a human work, it is the movement of a contrite heart drawn and moved by grace to respond to the merciful love of God who loved us first. So, it says right here, usually when you're far from God and you need to convert, you know, you need to change your life and that's the first conversion. That one is, you know, just once <clears throat> a one-time thing where you convert and you know, you're back in the church and you're trying to change. Now, it's for the second conversion. The second conversion is your whole life until you die. Because as humans and with our human fallen nature, we always Go back to sin, always. Obviously, when we when we try to increase our virtue, we get better and better and better eventually. But usually, for most people, we, we come back to sin again and again. And even though we're still in the church, we're still Catholic, you know, that's why we have the sacrament of penance, you know, confession, where we go back and we confess our sins. But yeah, it's always until the day we die. So it's not like we're predestined. We're just because now that I'm in the church... The Catholic Church, the true church, no matter what I do, now I'm baptized, no matter what I do, then <laughs> I'm going to heaven. No, it's a lifelong thing. The thing is that we have to try, we have to do our best to keep on going. Because just because we're in, we call ourselves Catholic and we're baptized doesn't mean we're going to make it to heaven. In fact, only like, I heard like 7% of Catholics are going back to Mass again. That's crazy. I don't know if it's changed already. That's just what I've heard. But... On top of that, only 20% of Catholics, like even before COVID, even 20% of Catholics weren't even practicing Catholics. So that's already crazy. Anyways, so you got to just remember it's it's a lifelong process. It's not a one and done deal. Now the ends of penance. With these things in mind, we turn now to consider the ends or purposes for which we perform penance. There are two things, satisfaction and healing. Satisfaction. We do penance in satisfaction for the sins committed by ourselves and our fellow Christians. 
The church teaches that our sins have a twofold consequence, the guilt for sin and the punishment due to the offense. Guilt for sin is removed by sacramental confession. Now the punishment due to sin is expiated by repentance. St. Augustine explains, Man is forced to suffer even after his sins are forgiven, though it was sin that brought down on him this penalty, for the punishment outlasts the guilt, lest the guilt should be thought slight if with its forgiveness the punishment also came to an end. So, even though we go to confession and we repent of our sins, there's still the paying for the punishment due to sin. So it's like if you, like you're a little kid, you're you're playing baseball outside, you know, in the street, and you hit it, you know, it's a home run, and then all of a sudden you hear glass shattering, and you go and you see that it's your neighbor's window that your ball just hit and it broke the window. So you go, and if you ask for forgiveness, you're very sorry, you you apologize for what you've done. Well, yeah, they'll forgive you, but there's still the, the window's still broken, so... Now that was the first step. You you ask for forgiveness. They've forgiven you. Now you have to pay for the you know pay for the punishment, pay the the price. So now you have to go to work if you're a little kid. You know mow lawns or whatever to pay back the neighbor for for the damage done. And so it's the same with sin. There, even though the guilt of sin is removed from us. There's still the punishment. The punishment due to sin is expiated by our penance. So it is through fasting, abstinence of meat, or, you know, sacrificing things. So we see abundant examples of this in the Old Testament. The repentance of the people of Nineveh, Jonah chapter 3. Or King David's repentance for the murder of Uriah and his adultery with Bathsheba, you know, Second Samuel chapter 11. Penance of King Ahab for the murder of Naboth, um, 1 Kings chapter 21. The divine justice therefore requires us to participate in the expiation of our sin by our suffering to the degree in which we have been responsible for them. Now the debt of punishment due to our sins does not simply fade away just because we are forgiven. If it is not expiated through penance, it simply accumulates throughout our lives. If we die in the state of grace, but without having paid off our debt for sin through penance, we will re be required to pay in the next life. This is the state we call purgatory. The ancient Jews knew this very well, as we read in the second book of Maccabees, where the pious general Judas offers a sacrifice in the temple of Jerusalem for the sins of his fallen soldiers. 2 Maccabees Chapter 12. Of course, our penance has the power to expiate our sins only because we are united by grace to Christ, who atoned for our sins through his death on the cross. It is a great sign of God's mercy that he allows us to participate in satisfying for our sins, because in reality, nothing we can do on our own is sufficient to make atonement to God. But through our participation in grace, our penance becomes valuable in God's sight, and because we belong to the one body of Christ, we may also offer our penances and satisfaction for the sins of our fellow Christians, especially the souls in purgatory. By our practice penance in the spirit of expiation, we may say with St. Paul, In my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So it's saying right here that it is not through our power that our penance can expiate for the sins. Only It is only through the grace of Christ that we can expiate for the sins because when Christ died on the cross, 
he paid the price for our, our sins. But it is up to us if we want to cooperate with that grace and do penance. Because if we were you know, out of the state of grace and we tried to do penance, it would do nothing. Because we do not have the grace from Christ. It would do nothing for our sins. It is only through his grace, you know, when he died for us on the cross, that it becomes worthy to, in God's sight, for expiating for the punishment due to our sin. Now, healing. God created us with a free will by which we choose what we will do or what objects we will pursue. Since the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, our will has become wounded and weakened. Instead of choosing what is the best, we now prefer what is easiest or the most pleasant, our, our own will. Therefore, we have a constant need to separate ourselves from the things of the world that distract us from God and cause us to sin. St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. By denying himself the pleasures of the world and of the body, St. Paul was able to dominate his lower nature, and putting his hope in the joys of the life to come, he remained strong in the love of God above all else. Likewise, all the saints in history, even those who never offended God grievously, led penitential lives because they recognized that their wounded will would lead them astray unless it were disciplined through penance. So saying that one of the other reasons for penance is to combat those those vices that we have and plant virtues in, in their place. And we have discipline that way because by denying the good things of life, like eating or, I mean, <laughs> not eating, like um, not giving up food all, you know, forever. But I mean, like by fasting, by, you know, sacrificing a meal or two meals of that day or, you know, by denying ourselves those those things, we can separate ourselves from, from the world that distracts us from God. Because by, by saying no to those little things, when sin tempts us, we already practice in saying no to the things that look good to us, look pleasing to us. And through through penance, through, you know, like I said, fasting, sacrifices, abstinence, or, you know, m more of those things, then we will... That would be the practice to combat the sin or temptation when it comes to us. So it's through penitential lives. All the saints love penitential lives. So this should not come to surprise to us that we also need to do penitential lives because we should be saints in the... We're saints in the making. Anyways, penance has the effect of strengthening our wills because it forces us to do not what is most pleasing or easiest, but rather what is good and right. We readily see how necessary ascetical penance is. The more we practice penance, the easier it will become for us to turn away from the temptation and choose God's will over our own. This is the essential goal of our spiritual life, to love what God wants and reject what he, he rejects. If we achieve it, we will have achieved holiness. Another of the healing effects of penance is that it disposes us for prayer. As we detach ourselves from the pleasures of the world and the flesh through self-denial, we find that our minds and hearts turn more easily and eagerly to God. And as our mind and hearts become more focused and purified, so our prayer becomes purer and stronger in God's sight. For this reason, the Bible recommends fasting along with prayer. Our Lord said to, the, to his disciples that certain demons could only be expelled through prayer and fasting. Mark chapter 9 verse 29. After our Lord ascended to heaven, the apostles too accompanied their prayer of fasting. We read, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer. They laid their hands on them and sent them off. Perhaps one reason many prayers are not answered. Is that they are not accompanied by a sacrifice of penance. So saying right here that. 
not only should we do penance, but like I said before, we should do penance and accompany that with prayer because it is through prayer and penance that we truly can conquer our sins and that we can unite ourselves closer and closer to God. And he says right here, which is, you know, sort of interesting, you never hear this, that perhaps one reason many prayers are not answered is that they are not accompanied by a sacrifice or a penance. So it is through prayer and penance that God will sometimes answer us. Because sometimes he, he answers us in different ways. But it is through, you know, when we show the we're trying to deny ourselves of the good things in life so that we can be detached and, and be more united to God, you know, through penance, that's a way. To get closer to God and our prayers may be answered through penance, you know, with the help of penance. Mark chapter 8 verse 34. And he called to them, to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Union with Christ and growth in grace. In the previous conference, we have seen that penance and the forms it may take as it is essential that we should also understand the interior disposition. That is the attitude of mind and heart that should underlie Christian penance. The Christian attitude to penance is found founded on the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ suffered for our sakes, offering his sacred passion and death on the cross as the means by which to earn our salvation. Our desire for our penance springs from the realization that Christ calls us, his followers, to take up our cross and follow him daily. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. There can be no closer union between Christians and our Lord Jesus Christ than when we choose voluntarily to suffer the crosses of, of life out of love for Him, just as He did for us. It is easy to be a Christian when it costs nothing. Only a heart truly inspired by love can follow Christ through the path of suffering. So, it says right here, There can be no closer union between Christians and our Lord Jesus Christ than when we choose voluntarily to suffer the crosses of life out of love for Him. It's when we do out of love for Him. We do penance. We offer all the things that come to our, into our lives. There are many things we can offer in our lives. That, you know, even you know by by actually, you know, doing sacrifices and penance. But actually, just things that come to our life, we can offer that, and you know, that will help us in our life with God. And it says right here, which is very interesting, because you know, if you see, you know, lately with a lot of Catholics, you know, people call themselves Catholics. They're not really doing penance, they're not doing prayer, they don't really care about what Christ teaches, because it's hard. It's not easy. And it says right here, it is easy to be a Christian when it costs nothing. Only a heart truly inspired by love can follow Christ through the path of suffering. We gotta do more penance and prayer. You know, especially in this time of the church where the rules of penance and sacrifice are not really, you know, they've been relaxed, the rules on these, and when we actually need it a lot now in these times. So we got to put it in ourselves for us because back then they couldn't eat you know, for all of Lent. They couldn't eat meat, milk, cheese, butter, anything dairy, and they couldn't eat meat, oils. Even I heard that they couldn't eat fish. So th this is before the 60s. Catholics were not allowed by the Catholic Church, you know, because there, there were rules in Lent. All the days of Lent, pretty much the only things you can eat were bread, fruits and vegetables, and beer and wine. But now it's been very relaxed because now Pope Paul VI, you know, in the, in the 60s, he allowed for Catholics just only Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, you know, no meat at all. That's, you know, that's for sure. And you have to fast or else moral sin but on the fridays of lent you have to fast and abstain from meat but back then it was every single day and even fish wasn't allowed only if it was dispensed by a bishop only if the bishop in your diocese allowed it but yeah that's how it was and you could only eat after 3 p.m 
So you have to fast every single day, every single day from midnight to 3 p.m. And then you could eat. And on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, you have to do a black fast. So that means no food all day. And actually, starting on Holy Thursday, after 6 p.m., no food all the way until 3 p.m. on Saturday. No food. So that was the the Easter Tritium. And then obviously after that, it's Easter and then you can eat a bunch. But what the point I'm trying to get here is that the church hasn't been enforcing it very much. They've relaxed the rules in Lent. It's a bad thing in in one sense because it's, you know, a lot of people are, are even doing less than that. They don't even know about these rules. So they're doing even less. But when back then it was so much more. And, you know, people would be really growing in their faith in that way. And don't be bragging about what you do or what you sacrifice because oftentimes it's very easy. Even for me, like the other years, I would almost brag about my, my penances and my prayers. But really, like if you look at what the early church did, I mean, this is nothing. This is nothing. You know, always be humble and just boost up your penance and your prayer. Those who do unite themselves with Christ through the cross discover that the fruit of this generous sacrifice is that we become participants in the work of our salvation and that of others. In other words, Christ shares with those who choose to suffer with him the merits of his own suffering, turning their penances into meritorious actions deserving of a reward of grace. By suffering with our Lord, we are able to merit through our union with him grace for ourselves and for others. In fact, we may say that the penance is necessary for growth in grace. Perhaps one of the greatest reasons people fail to grow spiritually is their lack of penance. St. Rose of Lima one of the first saints born in the Americas recorded a vision she was granted of our Lord. This is in the words of St. Rose of Lima. I quote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up his voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without burden, without the burden of affliction, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increased as the struggles increased. Let men care not to stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise and without the cross they can find no road to climb to heaven when i heard these words a strong force came upon me and seemed to place me in the middle of a street so that i might say in a loud voice to people of every age sex and status hear o people hear o nations i am warning you about the commandment of christ by using the very words that came from his own lips we cannot obtain grace unless we suffer afflictions we must heap trouble upon trouble to attain a deep participation in the divine nature the glory of the sons of God and perfect happiness of the soul. If only mortals would learn how great it is to possess divine grace, how beautiful, how noble, how precious, how many riches it hides within itself, how many joys and delights without doubt they would devote all their cares and concerns to winning for themselves pains and afflictions. All men throughout the world would seek trouble, infirmities, and torments instead of good fortune in order to attain the unfathomable treasure of grace. This is the reward of, and the final gain of patience. No one would, would complain about his cross or about troubles that may happen to him. If he would come to know the scales on which they are weighed when they are distributed to men. End quote. So we hear from our Lord Jesus Christ that he is saying to us that it is through penance and through suffering that we can reach God and eternal paradise. Without our cross to carry, we cannot find any road to climb to heaven. Continuing, carrying our cross daily, to the desire to unite ourselves to our suffering Lord transformed the way the Christian sees life. His decision to follow Christ by carrying his own cross leads to the acceptance of all the suffering sent to us by God in the course of our lives. 
As the church teaches, taking up one's cross each day and following Jesus is the surest way of penance. What does this mean? Simply that we must look at all the events of our life, especially those things which displease or sadden us, as sent to us for our good from the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. So instead of looking at our troubles and our sufferings and everything in, in a bad, negative way, we can turn that into a good way by seeing it as a good so that we can change change that suffering, all those afflictions, into a way to reach heaven by offering it to God. In the scriptures we read that the suffering is the result of sin. Man was created by God to live in perfect happiness on earth. But when he sinned, God allowed man to be afflicted with the trials of life we are so familiar with. So we read in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 through 19. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you, you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. So it was through Adam and Eve's sin that brought suffering into our lives. So sin brings suffering to us. And it is up to us to take that, that suffering and offer it to God instead of letting it cr crumble us. And we are, it says right here, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So <clears throat> this life, this life is only temporary. We have to think about the next life. When people think about the next life, about heaven, that is when we truly will see conversion and repentance. And that is when we see the necessity for penance. Because we are dust, and to dust we shall return. With this truth in mind, the Christian must view all the suffering that comes to him in his life, not as an injustice done to him by God or the world, but as the retribution for his own sins and the for the sins of his fellow men. For this reason, the resignation to carry one's daily cross is the most basic penance we can perform. Because it is the penance God himself gives us. And for the same reason, it is the best and most necessary of all penances. Because it is always done in obedience to God's will. Every other form of penance is our own choice. And we can, we can run the risk of doing it out of our imperfect motives. One can fast or keep virgils or say long prayers out of a desire to appear, appear holy in one's own sight or in the sight of others. But when we accept the suffering that God chooses for us with a peaceful heart and without complaint, we are sure that our penance is done out of love for God and not to please ourselves. Consider too that we, if, we if we refuse to accept the suffering that God sends us through His providence, we are opposing the will of God. How can we be pleasing to our Father if we reject His will for us? Moreover, how can we accept Him to be pleased with the penances that we choose for ourselves if we are unwilling to accept the penances He gives us? So all the sufferings in our life, everything was allowed by God. So it is when we we realize that since it was allowed by God, then maybe we should, you know, accept it. We have to accept it because <clears throat> since it was allowed by God, then that means it was that means it was part of His will that we suffer that. And if we refuse to accept it, then we're refusing God's will. And we have to always accept God's will to reach heaven. Now, remember I was talking about the rule of life in the beginning. It is through the rule of life that we can 
boost up our penance. So for Lent, you know, if you haven't thought of anything for Lent to do for Lent, then do this. The daily rosary. Daily meditation and spiritual reading. Fast and abstain from meat. All the Fridays. And then once Lent finishes, then you continue with that. Into the all the Fridays of the whole year. It's hard. You know, it's, it, it's a hard thing. But we need this rule of life to, you know, this is the basis the ba you know, from, from which... All the, all the rest of our spiritual life will stand on. Because remember, we need to be penitential. We need to live, live a life of prayer and penance. We need both. We need prayer and penance. This was episode 10 of the Koji Podcast. I'm your host, Saul Spinoza. Please like, share, and subscribe. And thank you for watching. If you like this episode and want to see our beautiful, handsome faces, then go to our YouTube channel, Koji Fruit, where you can see us in HD perfection. See you next time.